I wish that I could have savored the moments um, more than I did. Of the, of the things that, that I didn't know, there was one thing that I could feel. I knew when we were in a good moment, even when I was a child. But you still don't savor the moments like you, like you wish you would have. And then they're gone real quick. Uh, you know, the, the moment where um, the family is together and you're at a table. Or I, can, I can remember, but it's hard for me to remember the taste of my grandmother Farino's food. I, 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 I wish I could have savored that a little bit more. She made a lentil soup. Um, of the many Italian dishes, she made a lentil soup. I have chased that lentil soup taste all over the world. I found it very close when I was in St. Petersburg, Russia once. It was very close to it. But I, I wish I could savor. But when you get older, the older you get, the more precious the time is. And the, the things that people run after and chase after and spend their life's blood and their energy for, they mean less as you get older. They mean more when you're younger because you feel like that is your accomplishment or success. But, but at the end of life, your value system, almost everyone's value system starts to change. And then it, hopefully somewhere along the line, it switches from materials to people, from things to relationships. Now, everyone's at a different stage because if you're, if you're talking about this to a, to a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old or a 30-year-old, they're going to think differently. But if you talk to a 90-year-old man, he, he's probably not too concerned about the stock market. He's probably not too concerned about the valuation or devaluation of precious metals. Uh, he's, he's more concerned about his relationships and his life. And if, if we could wake up for a moment... And not wait until the very last of days to make the value switch. Something would change in all of our lives. Right. And the weightier things, weightier, weightier, the, 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 the things that, that are more valuable, they're not in what you can hold in your hand physically. But they are in the functional and healthy relationships of your life. The treasures of your life are measured in healthy relationships. 
And so this is the fourth and final lesson of our principal series. And next week we're all bringing our chairs and there's going to be food trucks outside. And we're going to have relationship time. So you need to come and you need to be a participant of that. You put into practice a few things that I'm talking about tonight. Now, our church family, the focus of our church family when it comes to health is spiritual health, emotional health, and financial health. If you'll, if you'll stay in this atmosphere and be a participant, there are three levels of health that will come to your life. Spiritual health, this is not in your handout, but you can write it. It's, it's you and God. It's me and God. Spiritual health. It's me and the Holy Spirit. Uh, emotional health is, is, is me internally with other people. It's, it's my own heart and the people around me. And financial health is how I handle what comes into my life and 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 what I desire. And financial health has a lot to do with, with contentment. Uh, the unhealthy financial person deals in lust and debt and poor choices. And um, But those are the areas of health. And so as we are talking tonight, I'm going to present five relationships that matter in your life. Five. And the lesson as we progress will, will impose something on you. It imposes on me. It invades me. The word invades me. It messes with me. When I'm reading the scripture, it, it bothers me. Or as one person said, don't get up all in my business. <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but I think that means mind your own business. I'm not exactly sure. So there's, there are a few relationships that matter. And, and the first relationship is our relationship with God. Now, we don't always consider that that's our first relationship. Because we don't see him. We can't see him. But if you want to have health in your life, your first relationship is that with God. I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm talking about you and God. No matter where you are, it's you and God. I hope that we don't serve the Lord or act like Christians just when we come to church. It's you and God all the time, every day. Because if we do that, then we have learned a pattern and we've learned it, but it's almost like a costume. And there's a lot of church people that, that, that attend churches all over the place of all denominations. And really, church is just a costume. They put the costume on, and then they take it off. But that's not what we're after. We're, we're after a relationship with God to please the Lord. I'll offer you three aspects of our relationship with God. This is your first relationship that matters. It's the most pivotal of them all. The first part of this relationship is communication. I'll, I will unpack these. 
communication with God. The second is communion with God. And the third thing is a covenant. And that covenant is established through sacrifice. We know this through the scripture. Now the first aspect of communication, it's not difficult, but it's but you would think that it's that it's just an arduous task. And the first aspect of your relationship with anyone is conversation. You cannot have a relationship with anyone if you do not have a conversation with them. There has to be a conversation. Now, in this particular day, people have reduced their conversations to what might fit on, on a media device. But that's really not a relationship. And, and a relationship is, some, is something that you nurture and cultivate over time through your conversation. So your Facebook page might have a, you know, 800 friends on it. Chances are you don't have 800 friends. Uh, someone could befriend you, but, um, but you could also be bewitched. <laughs> you, you, don't, uh, you don't have 800 friends because you don't talk to 800 different people. Just because you push the like button or uh, clappy clappy, I don't know. Uh, praying hands or whatever. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're having a conversation. You have no relationship with them. It takes a conversation. And when you develop a conversation, you develop a relationship. So if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to converse with him. You have to talk to him. And I don't know why it's, it's difficult for people. Be, and maybe it's because... We've been prone to think that a conversation with God takes a certain posture and a certain vocabulary. Even if you could speak in a in an articulate vocabulary only when you pray, God really is probably not impressed with that. You could speak the Queen's English, and he's probably not really enamored with that. But when you speak to him... You should talk to him as if you talk to anyone and just say what's on your heart. This conversation with God, this communication, is so lacking that, that, that there are scores of people. I, I, I hesitate to even say this, but there's many, many people who will spend the duration of their life but never have a conversation with God. So that's talking to God and him talking back to you. It's, it's, it's a conversation in return to you. And when you do that, you start to have a relationship with the Lord. Now you might be embarrassed of what you say that comes out of your mouth. But the Lord, you probably won't shock him. He's heard it all before. The second thing is communion, and this is intimacy, because communion is an intimate moment with God. And intimacy is when you, you, you are bearing out your heart with the Lord. You're exposing your heart before God. And, and in this exposition, this is something that, that, that you are transparent. There's a transparency in intimacy. Intimacy is when the conversation moves from, I love you, Lord. Thank you. 
uh, for the day and uh, I pray for this individual or for my life. And you begin to tell him or you begin to commune with him about the things that are in the darkest corners of your life. We have practiced relationships with everyone else. We have worked on relationships with everything else and everyone. With, with our jobs, with our, with our businesses, with, with our clients, with, with companies, with, with, with people, with all kinds of... But the one relationship that, that really matters and will, will make all of them healthy is the, is the one that many people ignore. And until you get to conversation, it's difficult to get to intimacy. And this is almost in a progression. I'm not going to say it's, it's invariably or it's, it's always. I won't give you the absolute. But it seems to me from my years of, of walking with the Lord that my conversation with God develops into an intimacy where I start to tell him about my life, my hurt, my pain. If you look at David, David worshiped the Lord. But there were sometimes David said, how long is the enemy going to run over me? How, how long, Lord, until you wipe them out? Please wipe them out. Read your Bible. And then he would say, you know, I, I, was, I was angry. All these people were being blessed. I knew they were devils. They were evil. And the, and the wicked had prosperity. He even said, my heart, almost, my heart almost fainted when I saw the prosperity of the wicked people. They were doing so good. And then he said, then I went into the house of the Lord and then I discovered their end. Uh-oh. That meant that all of that that the wicked were doing, they were only in a season. And when their life was over, it was going to be tragic. David got into some intimate talks with God. And in Psalm 51, David confessed and repented. Psalm 51 is a, is a chapter of repentance when David said, purge me and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Don't take your spirit from me, Lord. Please don't take your spirit from me. I know I've, I've messed up. The communication of conversations when David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. But the intimacy was when he opened up his heart and he began to expose the things that were corrupted or were painful. And then comes this covenant. And in my, in, in my experience, the covenant is then established and it comes through sacrifice. Let me just talk to you about achieving communion for a moment. We'll get to the sacrifice in a moment. Achieving communion with God is removal of selfish ambition. Because it's difficult to get into an intimacy with the Lord when you're still selfish. There's a lot of selfish people and selfies are on the rise. There are people who live their lives through a selfie. There are people who, who all they think about is themselves. What they want, how they desire. And it's hard to get into this relationship with God when your ambition is only to benefit 
you. This is an easy thing for us to fall into. Secondly, you have to stand transparent before the Lord. Like Adam, now I say this in a, in a very, uh, uh, it, it's an example, allegorical way. He, 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 there was a moment when he was innocent. And, uh, and he, the Bible says they were naked and unashamed. <laughs> so, but there's a time when, you know, as, as people become religious, they start to put on religious perceptions or, or attitudes. And, you know, the lesson goes forward and, and, and all of a sudden people start thinking, I know who that's for. He's talking about anger. I know who that. I, he's talking about pride. I know someone who's very prideful. Because it's a deflection. Whatever's coming forth is a deflection. And the more put-ons you have, that, that's the facade, um, the less transparent you become before the Lord. And so you have to be very careful. If you're going to have communion with God, you're going to have to be transparent before the Lord. And, and then thirdly, you're going to be willing to obey him without question. You have to, obedience is the key. It's a very key thing because he'll speak to you in that communion time. And finally, within, within this communion, there is a development of a sensitivity. It's a, it's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Many people uh, uh, seek the Lord, but they don't realize he speaks all the time. But we're not always listening to him. The Lord speaks, and he doesn't always speak in the same way. Sometimes he's talking to you through other people. Sometimes you qualify them before you hear what they have to say. Surely God can't talk to that person. Yes, he can. He, He... he talked to a burning bush. He spoke through a chicken and a donkey. He can talk through them. He can talk through you. <laughs> the problem is that you, you, we're not feeling the sensitivity to the Spirit. But the benefit is when we do start to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Here, here's what he does. He stands at the door and he knocks. But the Bible never says that he bursts through the door or he breaks your house down. You have to open the door and let him in. Jesus is the perfect gentleman. He comes when he's invited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, these aspects of relationships with God are critical to our, to our thinking. Now let me just give you three hindrances to the covenant. Because the covenant through sacrifice is very important. No one really has a relationship with God without, without taking up their cross and following him. The demand of Jesus is that you also make a sacrifice for your life. In fact, Paul were right. I, 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 I want you to present your bodies Holy and acceptable unto God, Paul said, which is your reasonable sacrifice. Your body, holy and acceptable, is, is just reasonable. It is a sacrifice. Everything about following the Lord is a sacrifice. Everything. He demands a sacrifice of your time, of your effort, of your energy, of your desire. 
This is why he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He did not say, go get everything you want. I'll come behind you and I'll just fill in the gaps. That's not what he said. So the first hindrance to the covenant is the cost of it. And that's why the, the rich young ruler walked away because he considered the cost of following Jesus. When Jesus said, sell all you have and take up your cross and follow me. And the Bible says that the, that the rich young ruler walked away. Here's the word, sorrowful. Because he had done all, he checked all the boxes. He'd done all the law from his childhood up. But when Jesus looked at him, he realized there's something else that's required of you. Get rid of all that, pick up your cross and follow me. And the man left sorrowful because he considered the cost. It was a price to pay. Let me just tell you, no matter what it costs you to follow God, you're always going to come out ahead. (laughs) If you want a covenant with God, if you want to be in covenant with God, it's going to cost you something. Number two, or letter B, the hindrance is image. It's going, you're going to have to give up image. The hindrance to the covenant is image. That's just flat out carnality. Listen, if there's, if there's, I don't know. Maybe it's always been this way. Carnality. There's so much carnality. It's just flesh. Flesh, carnality, image, image, carnal, the carnal person. The Bible says the carnal man is enmity between God, against God, the carnality. And, and, and this is, this is just flourishing. Carnality is flourishing today. And we've got to understand that we are hid in Christ. It's not me, but Christ that lives. Not I, but you, Lord. Not my thought, but you, Lord. And finally, it's just unbelief, this doubt, faithlessness, unbelief. Those are the hindrances to a covenant relationship with God. Because we don't believe. We don't act by faith. We, don't, we, we walk by sight. And instead of walking by faith, we're, 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 we become tangible and temporal. Everything that I've just said, I, it, it almost feels like this is kind of one of those Biblical religious, you know, Bible studies, and now we're going to go away, and, and, and that was nice, and oh, that was good. We're going to fold up our paper, put it away. But if you'll just take what I just said in just the last 29 minutes of your life, or 25 minutes of your life, if you'll take that and work on that, it'll change your entire existence, your relationship with God. There are four more relationships that I want to present to you, but if you don't get that one right, none of these matter. It's, it's me and God. I've got to have spiritual health. I want to be healthy. I'm not trying to pick on people, but if, but if your main, if your, if your main liquid, you don't ever drink water, but you drink, I don't know, let's say, you know, Mountain Dew. I apologize for all the Mountain Dew people. If, if, if you only drink, I don't know, uh, Red Bull, that's what you have, 15 Red Bull a day. It's going to mess up your system. It's going to mess you up. You can't, you can't live on that. And it's going to mess up your health. It'll make you jittery. If, if you don't have a balanced diet, it, it messes up your life. And, and, and if you want health in your body, you have to measure what you put into your mouth and drink and eat. 
If you want health to your body, you have to have an appropriate amount of time to sleep. You, you, you have to exercise. You have to walk. You, 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 there's things you must do. If you want health in your life, for life, you have to, you have to have a diet of God, a daily diet of the Lord. You have to have a daily diet of the Lord. You have to think of the Bible as the word or the bread that you get up and you eat it. Amen. And if you don't, then, then what happens later on in life, then you are sick and anemic and something's going awry and, and you don't, you're not walking healthy and you're looking at other people and, and you're finding fault and you're wounded and, and, and listen, there comes a time when you become mature in the Lord and even when someone does something, listen to me, when someone does something wrong to you, you are mature enough in the Lord to absorb that wound and not hold it against them. But when you're immature and you're shallow and you have no walk with God, you don't know how to take that wound, that, that strike against you to the Lord in prayer and converse with him and say, Lord, I know that they meant me harm, but I love you and I forgive them and it's okay and I walk on. Uh-huh. Yes. Let's go to number two. I, I'm going to get back to number one. I, I just... It's, it's critical. The second relationship that's, that's important for your life is your relationship with your family. And your family might put the fun in dysfunctional. I do not know. Um, but let me just tell you, can I just tell you right now, every family has a certain level of dysfunctionality. Everyone has a dysfunctional, messed up something along the line. And if you can't think of anyone in your family that's messed up, chances are. I hated to break that to you. Because they were thinking about you when, when I just said that. <laughs> nobody walks into this house, got all together, all the family. No, nobody, nobody. Nobody goes through life. Without argumentation, anger, frustration, a little bitterness, messed up stuff from time to time. Nobody. Nobody. People come from all different types. Of, if I pass the microphone around and we say, well, tell me about how dysfunctional your family is. It would take us, it would take us weeks to get through with this. Yeah. But the relationship with the family, no matter what that is, is critical that at least at this juncture, watch this, at this juncture, you begin the process of, of creating a healthy relationship. And, and sometimes it's cyclical. Sometimes it goes up and down. Sometimes you face something, you thought everything was going well, and then boom, the bottom drops out. And you feel like you're starting over again. This happens all the time. You don't know what's going to happen. Then, but what you have to do is you have to, you have to create this this environment where even when there is trouble and anxiety and issues that, that you know what to do, that your walk with God is clear enough and that you can have a few tools to deal with the issue. And I'll offer you a, some, I'll offer you some of those tonight. Your second relationship with the family, it has to begin with honest communication through love. Honest communication through love. 
not just communication. I, I've, I've told you this before, but you don't ever just tell people the truth. Anyone who walks around say, I'm going to tell you the truth. That is not of God to tell people the truth. Go ahead. Go tell someone the truth about themselves. Yeah. Well, you're a slob and your car's dirty. A bunch of old French fries smashed in the back seat. and You got jelly bellies all over the place. Your breath stinks. You're fat. You don't walk around telling people the truth. Paul never said that. He said, but speaking the truth in love that ye may grow thereby. People can say whatever they want, but if it's not in love, there's no growth. You can kill people by just telling them what they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And relationship with family has to have honest communication, but it has to come through love. And sometimes there's not honest communication. It's superficial communication. So there's a host of fathers and mothers who don't speak to their children And it's all very superficial. Some of that superficial is, what can I do for you? There are people that raise their kids trying to protect them from the very thing that will help them to grow. I just don't want my child to ever get hurt. Really? Okay, let's put some bubble wrap around them. When they they leave you, the first trip and fall, they'll die. Mm Mm-hmm. This is, this is happening. Now, we know this is happening even, even in, in, in biologically it's happening because, because we like to disinfect everything. And I like to disinfect things. There's a lot of germs. I want to disinfect. I mean, I want to disinfect most of the people who come around. I want to disinfect you. I'd like to disinfect you. Let me, let me just be real honest in love. But there's a gut health in you. There's a gut health. And the gut health means that there's some good germs in you. You need that good bacteria. Because the good bacteria fights off all the diseases and infections. You get everything super clean. First time that, that one of that bacteria jumps into your food, you'll get sick. This is one of our problems. One of our problems is we're so keen on, on, on not getting sick, it's making us weak. And our immune systems are very weak. And so we don't have honest communication because we don't want to hurt our little little angel. We don't want to hurt them. They're just perfect. And I just don't want them to go through all the pain and suffering that I went through. So I'm not, no. no. Well, hey, hold on a second. They're going to go through it. But if you don't allow it and you don't have honest communication, yes, honey, some people are going to hurt your feelings. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Yes, some children are mean. You're going to go anyway. Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a percentage of you who just don't really want me to t- say these things to you. Yes, honey, I know what everyone else is doing, but you're not going to do that. Well, why not? Because I'm your mother. I'm your father. But that's not good enough reason. Oh, yes, it is a good enough reason. <laughs> I didn't vote. I didn't get to vote. I didn't get to say what I, I, I said what I wanted to do, but I, I never got my way. And I would argue with my dad. My mother would say, don't argue him. That's your father. I knew who he was. 
She kept pointing out to me, that's your father. I know him. I've been with him for a long time. And then she'd say, don't argue me. That's my husband. All right. I don't know. Make up your mind. Is he, is he my father or your husband? I do not know. And so honest communication through love is what we say and how we say it to our, to our family. And you can mold, destroy, build up. You can crush by what you say to your, to your children, your husband, your wife, your relationships, all of them. It is critical that we learn honesty and communication through love. And number two is leading through modeling or exampleship. It's nonverbal. It's verbal and nonverbal modeling or exampling. Because whatever you say has very little effect if you don't do it. You ruin the wise instruction by not doing what you have said. Do not say that you love the Lord with your words, but not love him in your life. Do not say our priorities are, but not live out your priorities. Or as one person said, what you're doing is so loud, I cannot hear what you're saying. (laughs) Critical that we live according to what we believe. Practice what you believe. If the Lord is your God, make him the Lord your God every day in what you do. If the body, if the church, if the spirit of the Lord is the most important thing in your life, make that the center of what you do. Because who you are is validated by what you do. What you do is rooted in who you are. Everybody got this now? I don't want to get too philosophical with you. I just, I just want you to know there's a lot of verbiage. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people blowing a lot of hot air, but, but they're not living out what they believe. They're not living it. They're not, they're not doing it every day. They're, they're saying, I'm a Christian, but that's only a weekend warrior. You got to get out of that. No, you are, you are a child of God on Tuesday morning. You're, you, you are saved on Thursday. You don't make allowances for yourself to kind of just have this little dip and say, well, you know, I, I just, you know, every once in a while I just have to. You, you don't go on a fast and then say, you know, I, I'm, I'm in fasting, but now, of course, every day at 3 o'clock I have some peanut butter and jelly. It's not, it's not it. And number three, when it comes to your relationship with your family, you have to set the priority. And that priority becomes a tradition. These are matters of importance. What is the priority of your life? What is the priority? Is the priority a conversation? Is it church? Is it work? Set the priorities of your life. I, I, I'll just give a plug for Wednesday night because you're here. Isn't it wonderful? You've, you've made this a priority. Sunday ought to be a priority. Worship ought to be a priority. Let me just tell you this. Family prayer ought to be a priority. Giving ought to be a priority. Serving ought to be a priority. But your priorities, whatever they are, they develop into a lifestyle. And they become tradition. If your priority is, is, is taking a boat out on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning in the good weather. And then you come to church in the, in the winter. 
what you've told your family is, we only serve the Lord when it's convenient. This is, this is the very common thing. I've, I've talked to a few pastors and, and some of the areas of the country, it gets very, very cold and, 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 and people can't wait till summer and, and, and they leave, they leave and then they're gone all summer and they come back. He, he said, one of the pastors said, it's like, it's like having had to reintroduce everybody come September. Because they're gone. Their priorities are, are, and what happens to the family is the family grows up dysfunctional. They, they, they're they there, they're stuck for the winter, they're working, but come summer, they're all gone. Everyone's gone because they've been shut up. They've been closed in. What about the priority of your life? What is the priority of your family? What is your priority? You got you to gotta know your priorities and you got to set them in your family. And then they become the traditions of your life. And your relationship with your family is very critical. A healthy family makes a healthy church. A healthy walk with God creates a healthy family. First, it's the Lord. And my health with God helps me manage my own family. Those relationships are always seen from God. This is what your Bible says. How can a man say he loved God and hate his brother? Because love is never horizontal. It's vertical first. And then it flows. How are we doing? Are we all right? We're already running out of time. I've just got two. We've got to go real quick. Relationship with spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership. This is a relationship with spiritual leadership. And the way to have a healthy relationship is to be in the unity of the vision. The vision of this house If you're watching this online and you're from a different assembly, then you need to find out the vision of your pastor. I'll I'll say this to all of our leaders, and I I could point this out to Brother Andrew, Pastor Andrew, and Sister Crystal. Um, What's your vision for for the youth, Pastor Andrew? What's your personal vision? Our leaders don't have a vision. It's one vision. And, and, and they can't get tripped up. It's not your vision. It's one vision. It comes from God, came through your spiritual leader, and, and that's how we operate, through one vision. Because otherwise, if we have a lot of different thoughts going on, everyone's at odd. They're at odds with one another. Well, I have a vision that all the men ought to do this, and all the ladies ought to do that, and all the children, and we ought to have a big tent revival, and we need to get out under the sun and we need to get out there and where there's no air conditioner and we need a brush harbor or something. I don't know. The people have different thoughts. No, there's one vision and Pastor Andrew, Sister Crystal executes the vision. That's how we operate together. So if you, if you want to have the relationship with your spiritual leadership, there has to be a rally around the unity of the vision. And secondly, it's got to be the unity of the Spirit. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about our Spirit, the Spirit of our church. There is a Spirit in the church. It's, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about a demonic spirit. I'm talking about the, 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 the flavor of the church. The atmosphere of the church. Here, here's, here's part of it. I won't do the whole thing. Not everybody is... is uh, we're not exclusive. 
We're not, we don't exclude anyone, but, but there are inclusive groups. Not everyone wants to go hunting. There's some hunters here. They like to go hunting. They like to get into a tree stand and just sit there for hours and hours and hours and just wait, wait, wait. And they've, they've done that to me. They put me up in the tree stand and they said, you can't have a Coke. I said, can I have a Coke? No. Can I have a magazine? No, you can't have a magazine. Can I, can I, can I have my cell phone? No, you cannot have a phone. It doesn't work out here anyway. You just get up there and just wait and just get your bow and arrow and just look out, look out. And, it, and when you see the, the, the deer, you, you shoot the deer. Okay. And they said to me, don't come down until we blow the whistle. Otherwise, you know, someone might shoot you. Man, I got up there. I was so bored out of my mind. I'm like, man, 30 minutes went by. I'm like dying. Oh, my God, the Lord Jesus. I'd rather go on a 40-day fast and sit up here in this dumb tree. Come on, buck. Here, buck, 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 buck. Come on, buck. I'd have shot anything, a squirrel, a rat, mouse, raccoon, anything. Nothing came by. I think I saw a little ladybug, a little, little, the worst day of my life. I had all the gear. They got, they gave me all the gear. You know, I had the camouflage. I couldn't, you couldn't even see me. Nobody could even see me, but I know they could hear me because I was talking the whole time. I was like, the dumbest thing. I don't see any deer. I see nothing. Drove home late last night. There was two deer. I was thinking, man, now is the time I need my bow and arrow. I could shoot them right in Mr. Edwards' house right there, right in front of his house. I could kill me a deer right there. I just tried to run over them, but I couldn't. They ran away from me looking for fresh meat. But we are a family, and there has to be a spirit of consolation, of encouragement. Of love, of care. Here is your scripture. Enduring to keep the unity of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, in the bond of peace. That's our endeavor, to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your level of education is, what your likes, what your habits are. Here's your job. Keep the unity of the Spirit. Don't let anything interrupt the unity of the Spirit. And if your opinion, if you know your opinion is going to interrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit, then swallow your opinion and let the Holy Spirit move in this place. Because there's a lot of people who come to church, but they don't want, they, they don't understand, well, well, I thought we would have more of God. Why aren't there miracles? The reason why is because we're not endeavoring to keep this bond of peace. There has to be unity of our spirits. Number four, it's relationship with the body of Christ. Now, here we are. This is the whole body of Christ. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, Kindness, be humble, humbleness of mind. Everyone say humbleness of mind. Meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Those are two different things we're going to get into in a moment. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, just forgive them. And above all things, put on love, charity, which is the bond of perfectness. The bonds of love. If, If you can't come to a resolution, Paul writes... Just put on love. Just just say, we're just going to cover the whole thing with love. If you can't come to a finality and you're always going to be in disagreement, let the disagreement be wrapped up in love and just let it alone. Let me just tell you, you have the right to be right. You have the right to be right. And you can be right. And you can stay right. And you can mess up the church. Because you are right. 
and you've been right. And what you said is right. And your position is right. But your spirit's not right. Logically, you're right. You did win the argument. They did do wrong. There was an issue. But your spirit's wrong. But you're right. And you have the right to be right. But here's your Bible. Why not rather be cheated? Why not rather be wronged? Don't you wish I didn't know all those scriptures? Don't they just mess you up? Like, Where did he come up with that? Because I know a lot of people that are right. And they've, they've hurt the body of Jesus Christ. But they're right. And they have the right to say. And they exercise their right. Let me just tell you, church family. Your relationship with body of Christ will press upon you and remove the right to be right. Here is forbearing. Forbearing means to resist or refrain. When the Bible says to forbear, it means to resist or to refrain. That means you can, but you refrained. You had the opportunity, but you resisted. Forgiving is something different. Forgiving means to remove or to dismiss. And we understand a lot about forgiveness, but we, we know very little about forbearance. To forbear is, I could, I could address that. They might need to be addressed, but I'm just going to refrain. Forgiveness is to remove. I'm going to remove this. And I'm going to dismiss it. I found this out that when I forbear, it's easier to forgive. For, for me, forbearance leads to forgiveness. When I start to refrain, it's easier for me to forgive. It's easy for me to... Here's Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. That's a hard thing to do. Lifting the body of Christ. Lifting the body of Christ. It only elevates the lifter. What does it cost you to give someone a compliment? Did that cost you something? Did it make you less to say, man, you are doing, I just love you. I, you're, you are so, such an awesome person. People have a tough time lifting one another up. Because I think maybe in their mind they think, well, if I say something good about them, you know, what is that going to do to me? What? It's, it only lifts you up. And if you preface everything you say, then it ruins your compliment. I don't get the big head when I'm about to tell you. Well, then you just don't tell me because you've already hurt me. Just don't, I don't want to pop your bubble, but you just, you're doing really good. Yeah. I don't want to put you up on a pedestal, but you're, you're, well, you're, you're, well, well then you already ruined it because you prefaced everything. Just stop, stop prefacing everything. Just say the compliment. Be the lifter. Be the encourager. It's the relationship with the body of Jesus Christ. Here's your family. Look, watch this. This is your church family. This is our church family. I've said it many times. The Catholic folks are not coming over here to help you. You're commissioned to help one another. But if, but if, but if you don't have this right with God 
and you're selfish and you're selfie and you think about, and you, you, there's no cost, there's carnality, you're not thinking about anyone else. And then we get this idea, well, that's not my job. It is your job. You're the body. Every joint supplieth in the body. The body has to care for the body. Well, that, you know, why, why can't someone else do it? What are you talking about? That's your job. That's your position and your calling to love one another. Well, all right. Amen. Number five, I've got six minutes. This is a relationship with the harvest. Now, now I want to, this is not, I, have, I didn't define this on your paper, so you might have to write it out. The harvest is people. It's, it's, it's a person. The harvest is anyone, watch this, anyone who's not connected with the body. It's the harvest. The harvest could be people who are discouraged. They're not necessarily, they're, they're just, they, they're, they got discouraged. The harvest could be people who don't know the Lord. That they, they don't know the Lord. They're lost. The harvest could be a backslider or a prodigal. You have to have a relationship with the harvest. Jesus said, the fields are ripe, ready for harvest, but the laborers are few. That's an indictment against the church. Because we don't have a want to have a relationship with the harvest. We would rather have a relationship with people that are already saved. (laughs) People like to go to church and hear what they're already good at. I love it when, Pastor, you're preaching against that alcohol. I'll tell you what, we got to have more preaching against Budweiser. Well, you don't drink it. I know. That's why I want to hear more about it. What are you talking about? People like to hear sermons that they've already, subjects they've already conquered. We don't want to hear things that, that deal with our heart. That's just too invasive. So we want to have this, this, the indictment of the church. We want to gather, but we don't want to go. Let me, let me tell you Reagan's sermon that he preached on this platform when he was 11 years old. He called it the cure. I don't know if anyone was here, if you remember the cure. So he preached about the cure. And he was a little boy, talked about the cure and, and how, a, how a major disease had afflicted the whole world. And, and, the, and a doctor had gotten into his room and, and to his lab. And he discovered the cure for the disease. And it, it was amazing. And, and the doctor got all of his friends together. And, and, and they, this was Reagan, this was his 11-year-old sermon. And they, they got together at his house and they had a big cake and they all had hats and kazoos and they, and they, and they celebrated the cure. And it was so wonderful and, and it was so great that the next weekend, the, the doctor said, come on everybody, come back to my house. And they had another party and they, they, they had cake and ice cream and cupcakes and all. And then the next weekend they came and they celebrated the cure and every weekend they celebrated the cure, but they never told anybody about the cure. They just danced around it, shouted around it, sang about it, but never told anybody about the cure. And that's the modern day church today. The modern day church today is come, as one dumb church sign said, sinners wanted apply within. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know who put sinners wanted apply within. I, I, I've never had anyone walk into the church and say, yes, can I meet with a pastor? I'm a sinner. I'd like to have the application. 
I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel. I like to have the application. Here's all my, here's all my problems. No, here's what the church, the, the, Jesus did not say, come. He said, go, go in all the world, preach the gospel. You, you go, you go teach. Well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. You preach the gospel. You teach the gospel. You tell people about Jesus. This is not the only platform. You have a platform everywhere you go. Go find the harvest, bring them into the church. Here's what happened in the Bible. Jesus was talking about parables and they went out to people that rejected him. People that were on the invited, special invited guest list. But they said, you know, I got a lot to do and I, I've got things. I just bought some property. I got to check it out. I bought some oxen, some mules. I got to make sure that they're healthy. And so finally the servants came back and said, everyone that you wanted to come, they rejected the invitation. And then this is what the master said. Go to the highways, go to the byways, go wherever you can and bring people. Because the harvest is about people. And we're in the people business. And as Ron Mullins once said, people are pitiful. And we are all people. So I challenge you, go find a people. And bring them to the house. Bring them into your house. Bring them to your life. Get a relationship with the harvest. And they'll come to you. And if you win them to yourself, you will win them to the Lord. And I can give you scripture for that. Ruth did not know the Lord and had cared nothing about Jehovah, but she loved Naomi. She was a Moabite, which was arch enemies of Israel. And, and Naomi was living in, in Moab. Her, her sons had married Moabite girls. Her husband brought her there because they needed the money. So they're in a, in, in the wrong place at the wrong time. All the men died and the women outlived the men. And so Naomi says, I'm going back home. I belong in Israel. And one of the girls said, well, I'm staying. But the other daughter-in-law, Ruth said, I want to go with you. And Naomi said, no, no, you stay here. And, And Naomi had won Ruth so much to herself that Ruth said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Your land will be my land. Where you die, I'm going to die. That's right. So when you win them to you, they'll accept the God that you love. You have to have a relationship with people. Come on. Why Why don't you come with me to my father's house? Let me just tell you this. John 6, 11 Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, he distributed to his disciples, he sat down. When everyone was fed, the Bible says that the Lord said to his disciples, gather up the fragments. Everyone say fragments. Fragments are people's lives. And fragments demand compassion. Unless you love the fragment, you won't put them in your hand. And I'll tell you, all of us, have been fragmented, broken, and wounded. And finally, Jude chapter 1, verse 22. And of some have compassion, and you make a difference just by having compassion. And others save with fear. Because I don't deal with everyone the same way. And you pull them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That means 
that to have a relationship with the harvest, with the people of our city, your community, your approach is going to demand wisdom, and that wisdom is going to have to come from God. Amen. And this is the relationships that matter in your life. So I'm challenging you. Get back to your relationship with God and work on that. And then go down the line that I have given you in this lesson and work on each step of those relationships and seek health, functionality, love, compassion, wisdom in all things. And all the people said amen. Amen. Stand with me now. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your presence and your spirit, the principles that are in your word, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this. We're learning and we're growing. We're maturing in you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise for all things, Lord. Now, build up in us a holy habitation. Let our hearts become pure and right. Let us wisdom and knowledge. Let us gain that. We want the principal things, Lord. We want to live by the principles of the word. And I pray for all the people. I pray for faithfulness, continuity, consistency. I pray for healing among family, marriages, homes, children, health and strength, emotion. And I thank you for this. Give us health. Give us enlightenment. Through your Holy Ghost, your Holy Spirit. Amen. In Jesus' holy name. Everyone said amen.